You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 603. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 26th of January, 2024. In today's episode, an airline flight lands on a highway just after taking off from Washington Dulles, and the engine of a 747 freighter catches fire after a takeoff in Miami. Also ahead, more news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions, electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 603 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation, 1010 Winds on 92.3 FM in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, former U.S. Air Force UPT instructor and Starlifter pilot, retired 727, 717, and Mad Dog captain for Delta Airlines. And joining us today... From her lakeside studio in South, Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, it's Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. I think there's probably still too much in there, but we'll we'll, uh, tweak it going forward. Glad to be here at at the start of the show today. (laughs) Glad I made it. It's great to have you with us right at the beginning. This is awesome. All right. And... uh, I'm laughing because of the new uh, intro for Captain Nick um, from his studio in Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional pornographer, former RAF RAAF fighter pilot, retired Scarebus A330 340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Prick. <laughs> That's great. Well read, Jeff. Can I write that? Absolutely. Look, uh, yeah, even as coincidence, I live in Old Hampshire, but 603, the number of this show, is the sole area code for the U.S. state of New Hampshire. Who would have guessed? Well, that's obscure information. Yeah. Where'd you get that? That, that is obscure. Hey, have you been sitting on that one for a couple hundred episodes? <laughs> yeah, ever since I joined the show. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's thinking ahead right there. Uh, great to have you with us, Captain Nick, and also joining us from his home studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot AMP mechanical airplane enthusiast and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry. It's Nick Macho Camacho. Hey, guys. Glad to uh in here. Great to have you with us again. And also from her studio in Ontario, Canada, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, it's Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. Seeing as it was such a success, that was Captain Nick's work that 
blend into the animation there. Yeah, the wasn't that a great? Uh, here we go. Yeah. Some, here's some applause. Yeah, I could do nice. slideshows. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> none of us are are talented enough to do it. So <laughs> we think it's pretty darn impressive. I yeah, just got lumbered. That's so. all. Hey, right, I'm guys. glad you enjoyed it. Have a good show. All the best. Cheers, Liz. Did you just say I have lumber? <laughs> no, he was lumber, I, you're lumbered I, with it. I was lumbered I, with it. Okay. <laughs> I was with Jeff. I was with Jeff. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I don't know what's wrong. Leave it alone. <laughs> You've got that on the brain of you. I, I like guess. Wood? I don't know. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I guess I do. Let's do some news. Yeah. Let's do some news. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. If I can find it. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here it is. Stand by for news. All righty. We have uh, the first item here, a, uh, let's see, from several news sources. We have some video and uh, we have an article from the Aviation Herald. And let's just start right off the bat with uh, some audio. I mean, I'm sorry, some video of uh, the incident and uh, take a look at this thing. See an airplane? Oh my god, it's on fire. Which is on fire? Oh my god. Yeah. Sorry. It's on fire. Oh, it almost hit a palm tree. Mom! <laughs> oh, look, there goes the second stage. <laughs> yeah, there. Now the it's, third it's, stage compressor. Oh, there's a few turbine blades. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. That's, uh, Pretty impressive, isn't it? Oh my it? God, it's on fire! I know. Like, you already seen, told us. I've oh seen the night formation show at uh, Oshkosh. It's this is fire. nothing. <laughs> you know, this does kind of look like that night show at Oshkosh, doesn't it? It does with all the fireworks. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, what what's happening here? Well, let's do uh, some live ATC dot net. Sorry, 95 Heavy, my mid apart, so good evening, radar contact if you need it, speed is your discretion, climb and maintain 160. 16,000, Giant 095 Heavy. Mayday, Mayday, uh, Giant 095 Heavy, uh, engine fire, request back to the airport. Giant 95 Heavy, Roger, just climb and maintain 3,000, if you're through it, you can go to 4, if you're clear to climb international, the radar vector is fighting 180. 180, Giant 095. Giant 95, heavy, advise how many souls on board and fuel on board. You can expect the other turn away nine. Do you need time to burn fuel, or are you guys going to be good going? No, we'll go ahead and uh, land. We have five souls on board, and we have uh, about uh, five hours of, of uh, fuel on board. Okay, how many souls did you send? Five, sir. Roger. Giant 95, heavy, turn right, heading 240. And I did miss it. How many, uh, how much uh, pounds and tons for the uh, fuel? We have 53 tons on board and heading 240, John 0950. And do you have a time for it as well? About five hours. Roger. Covering all the bases. So 95, have you got a hazmat on board? Yes, we do, sir. Roger. Do you have Miami Rick on board? <laughs> yes, we do, sir. Uh, John 95, have you which engine and is it out already or you guys are still trying to uh, work that out? It's engine number two and we're still trying to work it out. Roger. Giant 95, did you guys lose it on the runway or in the air? Uh, on the climb out. Roger. 
95, that means turn right in 280, and as you can, maintain 3,000 speed, your discretion. 280-3000-GIANT-095-HEAVY. City current winds, uh, uh field conditions for Giants 958. Uh, the current wind at Miami is 210 at 3, and the altimeter is 3007. Okay, 3007. Temperature, please. Give me one second. It's hot. What a nice guy, not asking them to Q&A go to the H's. Uh, yeah, I'm what, a little disappointed. Actually. <laughs> uh, the altimeter is 3007. I just got the weather here. It's few clouds, 2500, few clouds, 5000. Temperature is 2.3 and the dew point is 2.2. It's all for Miami. And the uh, weather there is showing calm, but the live feed I'm getting is 2.204. Okay, copy weather. Thank you. Giant 95 Heavy, fighting 3.4.0 to try to maintain 1,500. 3.4.0, 1,500. Giant 0, 95 Heavy. Giant 95 Heavy, you're 7 miles from an S. Turn writing 0.7.0, maintain 1,500 to establish a localizer. 070 1500 Nine zero nine five heavy mama charge. Wind is two one zero at three. Two one zero at three on the winds. Clear to land runway nine. Clear to land nine. Alright, they're landing. Rolling out. Nine zero nine five heavy. Can you exit or you wanna hold there and have them get you a look over? Uh we we'll, we'll stop here at uh angle eight and uh have, have a look at it. Okay, right at that nine zero nine five heavy. Left turn near Tango eight. And then uh, make a left turn to join Tango westbound, and then you can stop there for us to give you a look over. All right. There we go. Six minutes uh, later, I guess, they taxied to the uh, to the ramp. Well done, I have to say. And I have to also say, uh, I don't know if you all have noticed or maybe maybe it's just my imagination, but more and more pilots here in the U.S. are using the term mayday, mayday, mayday when they're um, doing their emergency procedures. And I can't help but think that it's because of our show, actually. APG, that's it. Definitely. We've we've been a positive influence on. Yeah, I uh, would like to think so, Jeff. But I just think the word is getting around. That's all that uh, if you want to be able to clearly classify the emergency you're in, the correct terminology, as ICAO puts out, will get get you sorted. It's it's our show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. But it but it will. It, it'll carry you in good stead wherever you are in the world. And, of course, Atlas is uh, a, a truly international uh, freight carrier. So uh, it's the sort of phraseology that will uh, work anywhere you go. Yep. I'm sold. Yeah, you're going to use it now, Jeff, eh? 
What's that? <laughs> You're yeah. going to use it. I'm ready to use it now. You're going to. That's yeah. right. <laughs> mayday. Just mayday, in time mayday. for your retirement. He'll be, he'll be in the RV. <laughs> RV, yeah. Mayday. Yeah, I'll be out the window. Nobody's talking to me. Well, perhaps that's what you should call your RV. Mayday. And Ooh, have that's it a good idea. Written on the back. Yeah. I like it. Good idea. I'll have to consider that. Excellent. You know, can I just make a general comment? I loved listening to that guy on the radio. He was so cool, so calm, so, you know, uh, you just felt by listening to him, he was on top of the situation. And, um, you know, it, it really helps. And I think it helps the controllers. It helps uh, it, probably the rest of his crew, that uh, whoever is. And it sounded like the captain. I don't know if it was or not. But uh, whoever it was that was speaking on the radio, just that tone, just that really um, professional tone, uh, nice easy to understand, no gabbling, uh, etc. It's um, it's remarkable the effect it has on everyone involved in this incident. I agree. Tim Van Ram says, I can't believe they don't like I eclair an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well we, we, we do we like, like an eclair. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I agree with you, Captain Nick. I thought just right off the bat, setting that tone, you know, it's okay. Of course, you know, as uh, Liz was mentioning while we were playing the video, well, they have three more engines. So uh, I think that <laughs> yes. probably probably has something to do with it. The fact that, yeah, once, although it was on fire and it was an, an impressive looking. Yeah. It, it was burning. <laughs> yeah, it was burning. So that, that, that does kind of tend to, you know, up the uh, stress level a bit. And uh, but I yeah. agree. Setting that tone, that nice, calm, cool, collected. Okay, we've done this before, or you know, several times in the simulator. We're just going to go through and just do what we were trained to do. And I also love the fact that the controller didn't say, uh, "Confirm you have information, Zulu." You know, for <laughs> ATIS. You know, the, yes. uh, this is the way. It <laughs> exactly. Was to be Super important. You know, yes. Cranes in the area. Yeah. Anything so, oh, very well-handed incident. Now, just from uh, what was happening to the aircraft, I'd love to uh, hear Nick's thought uh, on what that was. Um, it looks like they were losing bits of the engine at regular <laughs> intervals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're, you know, when you made your kind of tongue-in-cheek comment about sections of the engine coming out, right? The, the thing about a turbine engine is when anything goes wrong, everything is such a tight, uh, close fit, tight tolerance sort of scenario that um, if you have a turbine blade failure or if you have some sort of structural failure in the engine, not only is that section of the engine going to depart, but it's going to do a bunch of damage as it goes out. So um, I have no idea what started that, but I'm sure that, you know, as something happens and it, the engine, the latter part of the engine ingests whatever came apart um, it's just going to become kind of a chain reaction, right? As stuff starts passing through various compressor stages and the turbine and, um, you end up with that kind of cascading failure through the engine on, on social media, or maybe one of the, uh, YouTubers out there, aviation YouTubers were, they were talking about an, an AD on this particular engine, but it was some time ago and, so I'm not sure that this is the same issue or not, but it had something to do with um, uh, the like one of the center spools, or it's a multi-spool, um, uh, whatever you call that thing that's running through the middle of it. Is that called a spool? Um, that all the fan the blades and the turbine hub? blades are mounted the, on. Um, the, and, a shaft? 
or the shaft, maybe the, yeah, the shaft, um, shifted, uh, perhaps, um, what? I'm sorry. That, did it sound like I was making fun of him? I, I didn't you mean were to. Making fun of him. Um, I just like the way he says that. <laughs> it's just very classic. Well, I've, got a, I've been shafted. That's what uh, you said. Yeah, from the, the by from me. Shaft. <laughs> but anyway, I thought uh, Nick was just trying to tie it back to his other profession. Ah, the <laughs> professional <laughs> pornographer. Exactly <laughs> right. Yes, my retired profession. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so uh, as uh, as we're saying here, uh, we don't really have that information yet, exactly what the deal was. But they did say something about a softball-sized hole above the number two engine. So that's cool. kind of interesting, I think. But was that caused by uh, a, a cause or it was caused by? Any, uh, any baseball um, pitches around there? <laughs> I was thinking that they weren't, they weren't flying that low uh, or over the top of a softball, you know, uh, mm. diamond or uh, whatever so uh, mm-hmm. i don't know if that's what happened or not we'll look for updates yeah we'll look for updates no i i, I think nick's uh knocked it on the head there when he uh says i mean uh, it sounds i would guess it's a it's a blade come loose and has carried uh a bunch of other um internal organs of the tube with it as it disappears down the back and then you get further failures and each time you get a failure you get a whole bunch of sparks because let's not forget you're you're carrying around four huge furnaces basically that are running at eight or nine hundred degrees centigrade and that's pretty damn hot when you stop getting smooth airflow through a jet engine uh it heats up very damn quick so a little bit of uh airflow disturbance through uh a compressor problem or uh, just a general um you know problem that you would have if uh, you lost a blade uh is uh, enough to let get that temperature up and then bits start flying off and coming out the back um if there's been a little uh, hole in the casing because that's not supposed to happen in theory but it's very hard for an entire jet engine to disintegrate without causing a fair amount of damage. We all hope that it will be contained. If there's a hole, it means it was an uncontained engine failure. And, of course, that has the danger of damaging the engine next door. And that then becomes, from a nice, calm, mayday, 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 that becomes several octaves higher <laughs> when you've got two engines out on one side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's the one we all worry about. That's not any fun at all, I would imagine. No. Actually, I do remember that from my C-141 days. We practiced two engines out. Oh, yeah. We used to do it in the 340 sim uh, fairly regularly, and it was a very interesting uh, accident when you uh, incident when you lost both engines on one side. Yeah, my case, uh, accident. You... <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Another plane coming down. Well, let's uh, add this to the stage and uh, take a listen to this uh, next video from Bass Aviation. Real Aviation Communications. The other one was, uh, you can see ATC, I think, was the a video. Uh, so here we have a little airplane taking off. Finally, 246, turn right, adding 340, and contact Potomac Departure. 340, and contacting Potomac Departure. Power baby, 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 ba
Friendly 246, Dallas Tower. 246 on the ground. Friendly 246, you say you're on the ground? Friendly 246, understand you're on the ground. Uh, we are dispatching emergency services to your location now. Hold on. Okay, Friendly 246, are you saying that you're evacuating the aircraft? Okay, ground up, uh, friendly 246, the runway is across the Wendy's and Aldi. <laughs> friendly 246, Roger, understand across the from the Wendy's and Aldi. <laughs> Affirmative, all passengers and uh, uh, pilots are alive and well, no injuries. Friendly 246, that's great news. Thanks for sharing. How many passengers are on board? We have five passengers, and uh, we had 1,100 pounds of fuel. No fire, no problem. Five passengers, 1,100 pounds of fuel, and how many crew? Two crew. Seven total, 1,100 uh, pounds of fuel. Thank you. Red 338, pilot reported that uh, they landed uh, across from the Wendy's <laughs> in Aldi, uh, approximately a mile and a half uh, west of the uh, departure on the runway three, sir. All people on board, the aircraft evacuated safely. And uh, let's see, let me stop that screen share here and uh, do this screen share. I have uh, something uh, kind of interesting. You want to pop that in? Uh, oh, that didn't sound right. Somebody want to add that to the stage? There we go. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a, uh, Google Maps, and uh, there, uh, that's Aldi or Aldi right there, the grocery store. Grocery store. And then uh, right here, that's uh, Wendy's. Wendy's. Oh, I'm kind of getting and an IHOP, now. it looks like maybe. Hmm? And an IHOP, yeah, maybe. it does look like an IHOP. You're right. right. Yeah, Wendy's, IHOP. I wonder why they didn't yeah. mention IHOP. Hmm. Um, anyway, well, look at they, these. They just done a pancake onto the onto the road there so they should really have mentioned the international house of pancakes <laughs> exactly uh, so look at those high tension wires there that's yep. the reason why i wanted to show you this that oh, wow uh, it's a nice yeah. you know that they because they plopped it down right in this area here so uh, right there and just before that there's you know there's traffic lights that go yeah. across the road so if yeah. you go back you know it's not that, that far down the play here Look at that. What's that, Liz? Yeah. I have some slides perhaps we should play. Okay. Well, I just wanted to show mine first, and now you're more okay. than welcome to, to show yours. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Um, now let's go here there to... There they are on uh, the runway from a distance. So they're... Uh, oh, yeah. This, uh, so my picture was obviously taken in a, in a more pleasant time of year, weather right. conditions-wise. Uh, but uh, as, men as Steph was mentioning, uh, the, uh, the traffic signals... Uh, that they uh, avoided, and uh, there was an aftermath uh, against the guardrail, and that was really the only damage they said that was caused to the to the road at all, or you know, other well, than the airplane. damage to the road that prop uh, has some damage to it oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, um, oh, it was still out. windmilling there. I least, think that's so. the Aldi in the background there with all those that's people standing uh, in front of me. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, they stopped their grocery shopping and decided to come out and see what all the commotion did someone was. someone put a chalk in front of that wheel? They did, like it was going to move. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking at that. I think wondering what that was. It almost looks like a home. Maybe, bucket. you know what? It, no, there's a bucket in front of the nose of your wheel. There's a chalk oh. in the uh Oh, there main. is a chalk. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe, I, you know, I, I don't like know how that. slippery the road was. Perhaps they were worried if on that little incline that it would mm. slide a little. Oh, know. yeah, yeah, could do. Yeah. 
I mean, it looks snowy. And for those who are just listening or maybe not looking at the the pictures we're putting up, it was a quite snowy, icy looking day in, uh, where was that, at Dulles? Dulles, yeah. Yeah. Off of Runway 20. So, I mean, um, yeah, just looking at this looks like um, engine failure right after takeoff and not a lot of time to make decisions. They made very good decisions from the looks of it in terms of finding a landing area immediately, avoiding a lot of obstacles. Um, You know, we have a picture up right now showing kind of their, uh, you know, track, altitude, airspeeds. That was was good. Yeah, very good. Um, Stan Little, CEO of Southern Airways, uh, the, uh, the airline, expressed relief that all passengers were safe and commended their pilot, the pilots for their adherence to safety protocols. Uh, the statement emphasized their commitment to a thorough investigation, working closely with the authorities to ensure the safety and security of both passengers and the airline fleet. So, Isn't their call a, sign is friendly, right? Friendly, yeah. Friendly, now th- yep. I, for so many, you know, a lot of times, I, you know, we're up there and I hear like new call signs and that kind of thing. And I, I have heard the friendly call sign and I just never knew who that was. But now I know. Yep. They fly, um, they fly caravans out of, I guess, out of D.C. I wasn't, I'm not familiar with all the areas they fly for. They do, I think, some essential air service and part 135 operations. Nick Camacho can probably help me out on that a little bit if he's familiar. But um, they fly out of O'Hare as well. Um, not sure where else, but. I am not very familiar with them. Mm-hmm. So you yep. could basically walk in and become a captain, right, Steph? Liz wants to know if I could walk in and become a captain. I'd have to look at their um, requirements and see, maybe. Would you want to be, though? That's the question. Um, so I was... Oh, sorry. I don't think oh. she could uh, afford it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. I was yeah. just going to leave that with no comment. And no comment. Yeah. yeah. I do apologize for uh, I'm in a public space, and uh, so I don't know if you can hear that More in the background. Later. Or a little bit in the background. Okay. Um, so yeah, happy ending there, and the second um, incident mayday. accident mayday, mayday, that they mayday. used mayday, mayday, mayday. So yeah, but you saw yeah. how quickly that caught the um, controller's attention, even though it was a stepped-on transmission. Yep. They could still hear mayday through the other transmission to say standby. Who uh, was that? Friendly 246. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. I noticed that myself. That was good. That was great. Yeah. Definitely a, a strong case for using that terminology. Okay. Anything else to say? Or shall we move on? No. Congratulations to the crew. And yeah. thanks, you know, uh, thank the Lord for a, a safe uh, emergency landing. That was really Absolutely. well done. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I know we've debated landing on roads or other, you know, suitable surfaces in the past, but I don't think there were a lot of other options here. You know, you had the power lines on one side, the forest on the other side. Um, This was right after takeoff and it it all worked out well. So great job. Absolutely. All righty. Let's continue with the next. Um, This is from Paddle Your Own Canoe. A judge, a U.S. district judge has blocked JetBlue's proposed acquisition of Spirit Airlines. Now, this is the airline, not the Aerosystems fuselage manufacturer, in a crushing verdict for the two companies that sent share prices at Spirit tumbling on Tuesday. Uh, Judge William Young said in his 113-page judgment that the acquisition of Spirit would harm consumers who relied on the ultra-low-cost carrier's basket basement fares to see friends and family. The verdict 
marks a major win for the Biden administration's Department of Justice, which brought the antitrust case against JetBlue in a Boston courthouse last September, uh, fearing that the merger would harm airline consumers and drive up airfares. JetBlue had fought and won a bitter battle with Frontier Airlines to acquire Spirit in a bid to get its hands on the carrier's fleet of Airbus A320 series aircraft and assimilate them into its own brand, one which doesn't promise low fares. Those expansion expansion plans, as well as the very future of Spirit Airlines, now look to be in serious jeopardy. Uh, in sum, the court has made its best attempt, applying the law to the evidence in this case, to predict the future of a d- dynamic market recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic in markedly uncertain times, the judgment reads. For the reasons set forth above, therefore the court rules that the proposed acquisition violates Section 7 of the Clayton Act. Uh, Spirit is a small airline, but there are those who love it. To those dedicated customers of Spirit, this one's for you. Why? Because the Clayton Act, a 109-year-old statute, requires this result, a statute that continues to deliver for the American people. I'm not so sure the people at Spirit were that happy about this, really, Um, honestly. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. Nope. Sorry. Um, I don't have a lot to... Yeah, add to what the article says. But. I, you know, I'm I'm thinking that, uh, and Liz and I were talking about this a um, couple of days ago. Uh, this doesn't seem like it's a it's good news for either company, especially Spirit, who uh, seems to be struggling financially. Um, they just what sold back or leased back twenty five percent of their Airbus fleet uh, because of their cash flow problems, and I think I read somewhere else that. They have just announced uh, stopping their um, hiring of pilots and flight attendants. It just looks, I don't know, uh, I'm not an expert in this area, obviously, but uh, it doesn't look like a a good sign for Spirit Airlines. No, it sounds like going to be left to regroup on their own if if they're able to. I don't know. Maybe. I wish I could comment more on the legal aspects of this because I think I quite understand exactly what's going on here. So, uh, are they a spirit declaring going to declare bankruptcy? You think if they can't get taken over? And I wonder, uh, or are they just going to go under? Um, I would good questions. Think and I'm not an expert in this as uh, either, uh, but I think I'd, I'd heard rumors that this may force them into. Um, reorganization. Um, I don't know if it would mean the type of um, whichever chapter it is that, you know, they go under completely um, or if it's just a reorganization and relief from uh, their debt uh, to uh, some of their debtors. Um, Anyway, I I don't know. Uh, Maybe our audience uh, will have a better grasp on that. This one was curious to me just because we've had so many uh, acquisitions and mergers in, uh, the u.s airline industry in the last 30 years it i don't understand it at all either but um it is it is curious to me that uh there is a threshold and i tried to talk to a couple of people um like business type of people and it and it seems like you have to have a decent understanding of um, the industry that it's associated with because i talked to a finance guy and he said um you know, it probably has to do with them being the two largest um, value carriers, I guess, in our country. But when you look back at even just the last 
20 years with U.S. Airways and American and uh, Northwest is gone. And um, there's just been a lot of consolidation. So I, I was, I'm just curious, like what, how they set that threshold of uh, it's going to be detrimental to the consumer, which is what the article says, right? Like it just says, we're not going to let this happen because we believe that the completion of this merger will be detrimental to the consumer. Yeah, I'm very curious uh, how this case actually was started. Someone has to bring a case, presumably. Um, so it doesn't seem to have benefited Spirit because uh, their shares have uh, reduced in value enormously. So obviously the people who own those shares and, and want to invest in the airline are going, oh, this is not good. Um, and uh, the spirit itself uh, wanted the merger to take place because they thought it was the best thing that I guess that they could do in the circumstances. They fought off one takeover bid from uh, uh, Frontier uh, and thought, well, this is, this is going to be much better for us. JetBlue's offer is, is better. But now the co a, a court has stepped in and stopped this from happening. And I'm wondering where the jurisdiction between one company buying another company, how that ends up in in court, and then that purchase being denied. It just seems yeah, to... Yeah, it's our, it's our justice system. So there's like a third un, unrelated arm, right? Yeah, just seems to go against the, the nature of uh, a financial takeover. If a company is struggling and someone wants to buy it and the price is good, everything seems to be fair and above board, then... What is the problem? I think, yeah, I, I guess that was kind of what I was getting to also, right? Is that, and the DOJ's, the United States DOJ is the entity that is always kind of um, spearheading these antitrust uh, situations, whether it's with, you know, a few years ago, there's a big one with Microsoft. Um, there's always antitrust questions with um, sports leagues and stuff like that. But, you know, the DOJ takes this stance that um, they're kind of like the voice of the consumer to make sure that the consumer, um, I guess, has a voice here. But like you said, it, if they're saying like, well, the consumer is going to be worse off if JetBlue and Spirit merge because there used to be two low cost options and now there's one. But making that decision uh, is going to kind of uh, seal Spirit's fate and yeah. we end up with one anyway. It's a little, yeah. a little, I, uh, I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. And I, I think they're part of their argument is that, um, they're not exactly apples and apples in terms of being low cost. You know, jet blues fares are not the same as spirits. Although I'm sure you could argue that if you're, um, adding up all the baggage and seat and boarding fees and everything else, maybe they're not that dissimilar. I'm not sure I haven't booked a ticket on either airline in a long time. Um, but I guess the antitrust concern was that. If you take away, um, basically, if you eliminate spirit from the market in this fashion, then consumers don't have that true low cost option. Okay. All right. As far so as, they, as best I can tell. They're trying they to stop just, a, a monopoly building yes. up here. Is that Correct. the situation? Correct. Okay. And All I think right. also uh, because it's a, a matter of public transportation here in the U.S., I think the Justice Department is compelled to look at all of these proposed mergers, I don't think that they can just let it, you know, let um, capitalism just 
go on its own run wild. unchecked and run wild. Um, I think that, you know, in a lot of cases they'll, um, they won't get into it, but in this case they saw something that, uh, that concerned them as far as competition was concerned. Now I, uh, it, it was kind of referred to in the article, um, uh, indirectly that, uh, before JetBlue made a bid for spirit that, uh, frontier was also, uh, attempting to, to merge with spirit and perhaps, that that's something uh, that will get re um, reengaged now, um, may, you know. If it's still a an attractive uh, option for Frontier, I don't know. Okay, interesting. Yes, we'll see. All right. I guess um, that Clayton Antitrust Act that was referenced as well has a lot to do with price discrimination. So, okay, very good see what happens yeah we'll see what happens and uh, as as mentioned by all of us we're not lawyers so we don't really you know go do your own due we're, we're interested from the airline aspect of it yeah. just in terms of which airlines are out there right okay well here's uh, our next uh, next one here um item d Yeehaw! all right from paddle your own canoe. ouch sorry uh, the Transportation Security Administration intercepted more guns on airline on airline passengers. Okay. The guns were on the passengers. Yes. Okay. I just that's an interesting sentence. So an interesting way to say it. Uh, in 2023, than any other year with a record, 6,737 firearms stopped at TSA security checkpoints at airports across the United States. Despite clear signage and the risk of civil penalties and even criminal conviction in many states, the vast majority of firearms found by TSA agents last year were loaded. <laughs> That's not good. Only 7% of the intercepted firearms weren't loaded, but even then, guns can only be transported on domestic flights if they are locked within a secure, hard-sided case within a passenger's checked luggage. The uh, airport with the most offenders was Atlanta with 451. Ooh. Yes. Yeehaw. Uh, followed by <laughs> Dallas, Fort Another Worth record. with 373, <laughs> Houston with 311, Phoenix with. Now, I have to say, uh, this may have some kind of relation to the uh, how busy the airports are and how many passengers are run through their checkpoints every every year, I'm thinking. You know, it doesn't express it as a percentage. They should, Yeah, they should have done it as a percentage of. Nah, they're just a bunch of hooligans in Atlanta. <laughs> well, that's probably true. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, TSA Administrator David Pukoski uh, said, we're still seeing far too many firearms at TSA checkpoints, and what's particularly concerning is the amount of them loaded, presenting an unnecessary risk to everyone at the TSA checkpoint. Um, yeah, so not good, not good. Um now it's it's interesting, um, Camacho. Uh, you uh, shared with us a, a sign at your Eisenhower Airport, I did. and yeah, I actually sent that to you because I saw this article. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Can, so well, um, if, he's, if he has it and he can can pull it up for us, I thought that was uh, interesting how they do things. That was in Wichita. Uh, yeah. So last time I flew, which was uh, a couple of weeks ago, in um, a couple of weeks ago when I went to Austin. There was a new there was new signage and basically, you know, the way that um, the security area in Wichita works is you go up um, some escalators or elevator from the main floor and you get to the second floor and then you're kind of funneled into the little worm thing 
that takes you in. And this is the, at the, at the front of the worm thing, this was the new sign. So it was like a 40 inch TV. Hold it up there. There we go. Yeah, mo- cover up your eyes. Yeah, move it, it over it, your eyes so it doesn't try to focus on your eyes. Okay, back it up a little bit. Eyes. Yeah. Still not really yeah, that's pretty close. Anyway, please check your well, bag. So anyway, check it's your a, bag. I, I, yeah, I can uh, check your bag for firearms, I believe. It's, a, it's like a 40-inch TV that says, please check for firearms now. And then above it is a slightly smaller sign, so it's probably like a... 36 inch by 12 inch sign that says stop please check your bag and it's got two little firearms with the mm-hmm. red circle crossed like, through not allowed there you yeah. go um yeah so, that so i just thought new... that was interesting comparing it to how it's done here in uh, uh in charlotte they've tried a couple of different ways um to gently remind people before they actually get to the uh screening to you know hey if you think you might have a firearm in your bag that you forgot about check for it mm-hmm. now and take it back to your car or something. Um, they used to kind of discreet, discreetly or not so discreetly hand these little like stop signs to everybody that said, check your bag for firearms. And then they just like collect it from you when you got up to the TSA agent. I was like, okay, but what if you don't read English or can't read, right. you know, like right. that's not helpful. And then um, now it's just the pretty much every time I've been there for the past, at least six months to a year, um, as they scan your ID or your boarding pass, the TSA agent will say, uh, no drinks, no firearms. Just like with that oh, really? effect. Yep. Really like unenthused with their having to say that. Just, no drinks, no firearms. Okay. Thanks. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also, once you get to the other side of the checkpoint in Wichita, they also have the main TSA desk there where, you know, on the front of it, they um, like paste pictures of all the guns they've captured. <laughs> Um, and I, I'm always intrigued by that just cause I, you know, I'm curious to see like, uh, what, what type of individual is leaving their gun in their bag or carrying it through with them based on, you know, the gun kind of like judging people by what car they drive. Um, <laughs> and it see, it does seem like there's probably a hundred guns on this wall. Right. But I travel enough that I glance at it every couple of months and it, and it does seem like we have a fairly low number of new guns showing up on the wall. So there are still guns on there from like three or four years ago, but um, it is interesting. I, I have traveled with, uh, I have appropriately traveled with firearms in the past when I lived in California and I'll be coming back to Kansas to see family and stuff. And it is interesting. The uh, lack of knowledge on the process that you kind of find through the whole process I've had, you know, from people at the desk, when you go, so you're supposed to get a tag. You're supposed to like get a tag and put it in the case and then lock the case. And then you're the only one that's supposed to be able to get in the case. Um, so at least this is my understanding. I haven't done it for probably five years, but my recollection is like, you have to have a hard sided case that's locked with a non TSA lock. And then it can be like in your suitcase. So like your suitcase can have a TSA lock on it, but they can't access the firearm. And I've had, um, I've had like um, gate attendants and it seems it's probably uh, environmentally dependent, right? Like there's far more people traveling with guns in Kansas. So when I've checked guns in Kansas, that's been like a non-issue. They just like glance down there, look at it, give me the tag. I've had, 
I think I've emotionally traumatized uh, a couple of gate agents in California when uh, I said, uh, oh, I'm, I got to check a firearm and I opened the case and, he, you know, the guy kind of recoiled back like, what are you doing? What are you doing? With that? I'm like, I, I don't know, man, you're supposed to put a card in there. <laughs> Active it's shooter. unloaded. Everything's good. <laughs> and uh, the secu- the yeah, sheriff's deputy, he was kind of like standing there manning the station, just kind of chuckled about it and came over and spoke to me a little bit afterwards. But um, it, I did think it was kind of interesting that even among the airport officials, I think it, the knowledge of, of all the regulations and everything is kind of dependent on where you're at. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Except the primary regulation, which is they can't go on the airplane, which is the same everywhere. Yeah. You'd think that they'd uh, be used to all the, uh, they're in the you're talking Love about it. oh that was uh california so yeah uh, they're not mind. used to it they're not used to it yeah new think... york are a bit touchy about it aren't they so yeah, i have never uh like i said i've only got between california and kansas with guns for like uh, shooting sports or hunting but i have heard stories of um i i believe the way that it works is if you're because there are different laws between different states, right? So, like, certain firearms are legal in some states and not legal in other states. And um, the advice that I've gotten from people who travel with guns more regularly is if anything happens and you end up in a destination where you did not expect to end up, um, you should not claim your luggage. And uh, the reason for that is because there's been a couple of people who were flying somewhere and they got diverted to New York New York has some of the strictest gun laws in our country. And um, so they had no intention of going there. They have a firearm that is probably legal where they left from and where they're going to, but it's not legal in New York. And they they land in New York and they are delayed or have an unexpected layover or something. And they're told to not take possession of their bag because they're not liable for the firearm if they don't have it with them. But as soon as they take the bag, the Port Authority can... Um, then they become permanent residents the illegal gun York. that they now have with them. <laughs> yeah. um, so they just leave it up to the airline the... to return the bag at some point? Say again? Uh, just leave it up to the airline to return the bag at some point, hopefully? Uh, I, or just, yeah, just I don't, not... if, if you're just like leaving the airport from New York, I, I don't know what happens. The guy I was talking to um, basically like got diverted to New York and then was flying on to his destination the next mm-hmm. day. And so he just had to like leave his bag and get a toothbrush and stuff from the hotel and then fly in his same clothes the next day. Yeah. And if you're the captain of an airplane, discover he's got a pocket full of ammunition <laughs> halfway <laughs> across the Atlantic on his flight to Paris. Uh, I think it was Jeff. Do you remember that one? Don't flush uh, it down the toilet. Yeah, that's not a good <laughs> down idea. Down the airplane toilet? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's con- that's what those little side windows that open up are for, isn't it? And just like <laughs> toss all of the. That was a story we've covered in the, the past. Time. Remember it? Was. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not the most you know the smartest people in the world. I mean, you know, most of us are the smartest people in the world, but not all. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Um, interesting. Uh, let's continue on with. Uh, this also from Paddle Your Own Canoe. Um, a part of an airline catering truck left embedded uh, in the side of a Lutanza Airbus A321 after a driver blunder, a DB, I like to call it. 
Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> an airline catering truck was left in part of it was left embedded in the side of an Airbus 321 operated by Lufthansa on Saturday morning, shortly after it had landed in uh, at Frankfurt Airport. Thankfully, passengers had already disembarked the 12-year-old airplane. I don't know why that's important. And there were no crew members aboard the jet, according to Aero Telegraph. When the catering truck approached the aft galley door to recater the plane for its next flight, it appears that the driver of the truck got a little too close for comfort in the protective handrails that form part of the platform that catering carts are rolled across from the truck in the galley uh, into the galley, punctured the side of the plane's fuselage. No one was injured in the mishap, but the handrails had to be left embedded in the side of the plane, even after the catering truck had been removed. Hmm. Interesting. Driver carelessness. Not good. And I'm sure that that was not a cheap uh, error. Like the uncertainty. No, but it looks a convenient way to make sure passengers don't fall over when they're climbing up into the Safety aircraft. feature. Yeah, <laughs> got extra handrails now. Yeah. Under Jim the door, sadly. Jim Ram has a comment. A uh, little extra drag there, too. Uh, what does uh, Tim have to say? Isn't that where the car hop pla uh, places the tray? Yeah. No, it's near, right. near the okay. window, Tim, right. not the door. <laughs> You might need to explain that for those of us uh, from places oh. other than oh, America. That don't have car hops. Oh, go ahead, yeah, Steph. Exactly. Explain it. Yeah, if you go to a, um, you know, uh, not as common anymore, but uh, some places. Sonic. Um, Sonic. And I'm trying to think of any other place I know. There's there's a few local places around Charlotte that still have it. But basically, um, you drive your car to the restaurant, you park, um, and someone actually comes to your car and takes your order and then they bring your order to the car and it's generally that you're going to eat there but you're not going to leave your car so they'll put the tray like with a little um like over the window um hook on the side of your window and then your food is there and you can eat your food american um, graffiti sometimes done with yeah. yeah sometimes done with um waitresses and on uh, roller, roller skates. skates yeah yeah, roller yeah. Skates. i remember it from the flintstones then they have oh, a huge yeah. rib and they yeah. knock the whole side of the Flintstones <laughs> yes. car and it tips right. it over. It tips over. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the best. Brilliant. Okay. I've got it now. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, vars the Varsity used to have that system, but uh, they've, they've gotten rid of the uh, car hops at uh, even the original uh, Varsity restaurant in uh, Atlanta. I'm sad. Ah, there you go. Anyway. Okay. Back to Atlanta. Okay, back to Atlanta, Liz says. Well, the varsity is in Atlanta. Um, oh, it's a video. Um, yeah. So let me get that all queued up. Vast Aviation. Real Aviation Communications. And LiveATC.net. Delta Airlines 757-232, performing flight 982 from Atlanta to Bogota was entering the runway for takeoff when one of the nose tires decided it w didn't want to go. Hey. Hey. Tower, the 7-5 on the runway just lost a nose tire. That's no good. Delta 7-8, thanks for that. Delta 982. Uh, tower, sounds like we've got a problem. Uh, yeah, looks like we'll try to taxi clear if we could. Delta 982, Roger. Um, if you'd like, start your taxi down the runway and just let me know. Roger that. Delta 982, this is the aircraft looking at you. you. One of your nose tires just came off. It just rolled off the runway uh, behind you. 
All right. Tell you what, let me uh, talk to maintenance tower. Uh, let me have. Uh, I'm going to contact our maintenance folks and see if we can get a tow in. Stand by one, please. Roger, go nine eight two. Uh, tower, this is Delta 1783. You may want somebody to come out. It looks like the nose tire ran off the runway towards the end down there. Roger, Delta 1783. We'll be getting somebody out there. At tower, Southwest 3167. Go ahead, 3167. Yeah, are you going to route us to another runway? Because this looks like it could be up quite a while. We're in the process. There's a lot of moving parts in the, behind the scenes. Give me a second. Sure. How's he think he's going to get out of this position there? there. To, uh, I'd like a, a shortcut, please. Southwest, I want a shortcut. Right now. I'm trying to get a tug out here. Tug us in. <laughs> Roger that. And uh, definitely going to be tugged off? Uh, not sure yet. We're coordinating <laughs> with maintenance. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Roger that. Power Delta 1783. Go ahead. Yeah, we saw that tire roll off the runway to the south. It looks like it went off the runway probably down the bank down there. All right, so it went off the uh, south side of the runway down the embankment? That's right. Uh, beam about uh, Lima Bravo. Lima, about, uh, Lima, uh, beam Lima Bravo, Roger. So he totally lost that tire. Shower off 2 at a shower light, show 27 right closed. Off 2, Roger, 27 right is closed. You proceeding on the runway? Yes, sir, proceeding on 27 right. Roger. I don't know if you copied the last aircraft uh, stating that uh, the, they saw the tire and wheel um, roll off. It uh, went off the south side of the runway, pretty much a beam Lima Bravo. Uh, they believe that it may have gone down that embankment, but it's on the south side of the runway. I'm too right. And Tower Delta 982, sorry for the inconvenience, gentlemen. Uh, just want to let you know, Op says they're sending out a tug for us, so they'll tug us off here. Ooh. Not a problem at all, man. I, it happens, but uh, we'll get you out of the way as soon as we can. This is a new one. Tower, <laughs> I'll do, go ahead. Sir, just to give you an update. Uh, we have located that tire. So you have located the tire. Yeah. Sure. We're in a safety area on the uh, south south shoulder. Roger. We didn't know if it made it all the way to 285. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the airplanes were rerouted to other runways, and the aircraft sat three there hours. for three hours. Took uh, some time to find a tug, I guess. To a suitable uh, tug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> suitable tug. Well, suitable tug. Yeah. A, a pretty, a pretty enough tug. Mm -hmm. Those Boeing airplanes. Those, oh right, yeah, Jeff? that has obviously. <laughs> Liz is saying those <laughs> Boeing airplanes, and it's it's <laughs> kind of sad. Uh, some of the yeah, headlines it's, it's very sad. out there regarding the seven five, and somehow conflating that with the seven three Max issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thirty two years old. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. the same issue at yeah. all here. This this is a uh, most likely a human error, like some kind of a maintenance issue. Um, turns out that you actually have to put the lug nuts back in and tighten them up before you let the thing Maine go. Maine Marin's using one of our favorite uh, phrases. Maine Marin says, Elvis Presley, you picked a fine time to leave me, loose wheel. Yep, that's what, yeah, that's what Simon... We've used uh, that as a show title in the past. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> and it was uh, Simon again, uh, Ratke, uh, on uh, yeah. Aviation Herald that, uh, right. that used that, uh, yep. that title. I think there's um, going to be some tugging in our title. Some tugging in the title. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm. Okay. I yeah, I, I'm curious to see if uh, the the wheel and tire assembly came off the airplane or if the wheel, uh, if the wheel failed and, oh. and broke apart. Because <laughs> I think keep it, talking about tires. Well, and, and I think that somewhere I was reading that it was both, the, it was actually the wheel and tire together. Okay. So... Someone, 
somebody's nuts weren't given sufficient treatment. They've been tugged on too much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because it's, you know, the uh, <laughs> uh, airplane tires are made in two pieces, so they work a little different than car tires. So it's there's an additional level of uh, both component failure and um, the possibility for maintenance-induced failure in terms of assembling the wheel as well as making sure the lug nut is on the airplane correctly. Yep. Uh, am, cool. Uh, am I missing something here? Are we seeing Tim some... Tim Van Ram. Oh, Tim Van Ram. At least no one called it a rim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Oh, steady the buffs. Steady okay, the buffs. Okay, now the, the next two are sort of somewhat related, okay. Jeff. All right, the next uh, couple of items are are somewhat related. Uh, that's just a little preview. The standard of this show is deteriorating. It's just gone down, down, the down, down the lab. Down the, yeah. down the, down the yeah, toilet. toilet. <laughs> yeah. uh, from Paddle Your Own Canoe. Well, there you go. Airline passenger gets trapped inside lavatory for the entire flight and has to sit on the toilet as the plane lands. Aww. <laughs> A passenger aboard a low-cost Indian airline got trapped inside the plane's lavatory for almost the entire flight after the door jammed and refused to open. It refused to open refused. once he was inside. It had enough. It had. The man was then forced to sit on the toilet and hold on to the grab rails as the plane landed before an engineer was able to board the aircraft and finally release the passenger from his claustrophobic surroundings. Uh, let's see. The incident happened on a spice jet from Mumbai to Bengaluru. Uh, 737. Ah, there you go. Has something to do with the 737 MAX troubles, apparently. And low-cost airlines. low-cost airlines. The Spirit Airlines, yeah. too. The man had gone into the lavatory shortly after takeoff, locked the door behind him, but then went to when he went to return to his seat, the latch refused to release. Captain crew were alerted to what was happening by the man's screams. Oh, come oh. on. But despite their best efforts, they couldn't unlock the door from outside either. <laughs> Unable to help him any further, the crew slid a note under the lavatory door, said, get a grip, quit complaining and <laughs> crying and screaming and uh, explaining what he should do as the aircraft was coming into land. Sir, we tried our best to open the door. Please quit crying, you baby. However, we could not open the door. Uh, so Consider anyway, yourself uh, slapped. <laughs> uh, this do not what, panic yes do not panic we are landing in a few minutes so please close the commode lid and sit on it it that's probably preferable and secure yourself as soon as the main door is open an engineer will come uh i wonder how many to, nice koreans know what a commode is well this is an i thought it was an indian this is indian oh it was yeah. indian was it yep, sorry yeah. mm -hmm. nice jet and uh think, yeah yeah yep well, they actually the Indian people like these like these old fashioned words, so mm -hmm. they may well know what a commode is. Maybe. Yep. Um, bifold lavatory. This is a note here in the uh, article. Bifold lavatory doors uh, and tip can typically be removed from their hinges in flight by cabin crew in the unlikely event that the lock breaks. But some accessible toilets with a single pane door don't always have this feature. Well, thank you for telling us that. Um, yeah. No, uh, the 340 had a problem. I, I had to attack one of our uh, toilet doors with the fire axe uh, in order to release a cabin crew member who was stuck in there uh, at the top of descent. Um, the passengers were all being secured, and uh, she, we couldn't get the door open. So um, rather than leave her in there, 
they said, what should we do, Carl? I went and have a look and uh, found that if you get, you know, the back of the fire axe has got a nice pointy bit on. If you bash that into the bit, the bifold bit, you could leave the door open, but it completely wrecked the door. I have no doubt it cost the airline a lot of money, but uh, no one was going to complain. Ludger has a question. Yeah. Okay, Ludger has a question. Did they charge him extra for the exclusive ride? Oh, I do like yes, Neil's probably. question as well. Uh -huh. uh, Neil says, did the crew have to log the incident? Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. brilliant. Okay. Yep. Jeff, I think you skipped over the most important part of the story. Did which I? Was, um, uh, they had medical support waiting to tend to the man as soon as the door was open. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what kind of world are we living in? Because he had to sit on the toilet for an extended period of time. Psych a psychologist was waiting. Thank goodness yeah, Steph wasn't by. on that flight when they're yeah. asking for a doctor. Like, Sorry, I think I've got a tight connection. I'm going to have to. Yeah. I've been drinking. No, Steph, you say you've been drinking. Been drinking. <laughs> yes. We, we learned that from last now, week's show. And, I, and they called it claustrophobic. Well, I know for a fact that you can get two or even three people in there at a go. So, uh, <laughs> Really? Uh, you know. <laughs> well, okay. that's what the cabin crew told me. So, uh, uh, okay. I, I assume it was uh, factually correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, let's end this wonderful news segment by uh, reading this from People Magazine. Um, a farting passenger causes an American Airlines flight to return to the gate. According to a witness uh, to the gassy passenger on Reddit, it says, we all breathed a sigh of relief when he was removed. <laughs> uh, that deserves. Uh, yeah. An American Airlines passenger reportedly passed gas and loudly bragged about it on a recent flight from Phoenix to Austin. A fellow flyer documented the smelly incident on an Austin subreddit. Uh, the plane was forced to return to the gate and the passenger was removed. Um, okay, so uh, according to the person on Reddit, I was seated near the row where this situation occurred. The passenger recalled, uh, while the airplane was still at the gate, the documentarian says they saw and heard an audibly disgruntled and maybe hungover man. He reportedly exclaimed, you thought that was rude? Well, how about this smell? And proceeded to loudly pass gas. I don't know what provoked the comment. And while kind of funny to overhear, it, it was uncalled for, especially coming from a grown man on an airplane, nonetheless. But the transgression didn't end there. The man who just purposefully farted moments ago decides to loudly and condescendingly say, yeah, everybody, let's just eat the smelliest food possible all at the same time, uh, seemingly referring to a scent unrelated to his own actions. Uh, in response, a man in the next row reportedly remarked, if you don't like uh, if you don't like it, you can fly private, to which the gassy passenger replied, that's so effing rude. Another passenger chimed in. I think we'll uh, we'd all agree you're the rude one here, and so okay, you have a big spat going on in the back, um, and uh, let's. Oh, this is a good one. The spat continues with a flatulent flyer responding. That's just so low class. Before another <laughs> nearby passenger said, "Well, you're back here in economy with the rest of us." <laughs> oh boy. Oh, what a charming um, flight so, to be on. Long, long story short, they returned to the gate and removed yeah. this individual from the. Uh, did they air out the aircraft? Cabin? And he did not. Uh, <laughs> he did not continue to wherever they it was that the they were going. Um, yeah. So, 
I don't know about you. Now, obviously, we there is a lot here that we don't know. Um, but if if what we are reading here is the actual, you know, how everything kind of went down, um, I'm thinking this is kind of overreacting uh, by the airline, in, in my opinion. But I don't know. There must have been more to it. Maybe overreacting, but I think if it really was getting all of these people somehow involved and riled up, then mm -hmm. I don't know. Could have been a riot. People are. Yeah. Could have been an a insurrection. Astonishing to me. <laughs> let's let's get to know us now. Should we get to know us, Liz? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Enough toilet humor for yeah. one show. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> hit this. Getting to know us. <laughs> the time of the show where we get to find out what everybody's been up to since the last part one part two show yeah Steph is uh, I'm looking at her facial expressions going hmm wondering what I've done and when was it I last told people That's, what I was, I was pretty doing. much wondering when the last time I yeah I think it was like Tuesday of last week right, right. so yeah, it was like that. okay a week and a half, more than a week and a half, a week and a half ago. It was a while ago. It was when I was down in Tampa for the 2024 Florida RV Super Show. That was part one. And then on, uh, what was it, Friday or Saturday? Saturday morning. Saturday morning, uh, Captain Nick and I uh, completed part two. By the way, since we're talking about part one, part two, I apologize. I tried to be really clever with the last show oh i think you did a great job trying to make it sound to like we were all to together last night. <laughs> yeah at the it was same good time. yeah yeah except that there were a couple little places here and there we were we'd referred to part one part two and they were kind of a little out of order too you know so anyway <laughs> it was a fun experiment but i'm not going to do that again it's too much work on my part um, so <laughs> yeah. we'll just run it in real time chron chronologically uh, but this show Thankfully, it's going to be so much easier for me to edit because it's all in one one fail swoop. So, yeah. Um, shall I shall I continue with me? I don't really have a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, where are you? Where are I'm, you, Jim? Well, oh yeah. So, uh, and the lights just went out again. So I'm in <laughs> my apartment complexes. <laughs> I guess in a clubhouse, club room, club area. It's part of the the main building with the with the lease leasing office and uh, also. Uh, the the swimming pool is right out the out the door here. Um, it's an outdoor swimming pool, kind of in a courtyard area. It's a, it's very nice. I'm in the loft area of the clubhouse, and uh, the reason why I'm here is that yes, the the little uh, unscheduled um, surprise water feature in my apartment is still causing issues. And the good news is that today it it should be all finished. Um, the cleaning crew that is to come in or was to come in uh, yesterday or early this morning didn't show up until afternoon, and uh, it was just cutting it too close for me to hope that they were going to be completely finished with the job and out of the way, and I could record the show in the normal studio. So I came over here to the clubhouse, and uh, so you hear little things like that in the background um, because it's a public space. And I can't, uh, you know, lock the doors and keep people from coming in. Uh, but uh, anyway, so that's why I'm uh, the the background looks a little bit different um, in in uh, in my studio. Let's listen. Let's let's listen to the conversation. No, I can't understand what you're saying. Anyway, 
Um, so uh, that's that's my update. Um, doing a lot of singing again. Sang at a funeral uh, this morning, and um, yeah, uh, did a lot of uh, a lot of work on the uh, edit for the last show, and nothing. Oh, sorry, uh, nothing. I think it's time for me to go ahead and pass this on to somebody else so I can hit the little mute button here. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can talk next. I, uh, I was supposed to be in um, a different area of the country this week, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah. Were you? Yep. I was supposed to be flying home today what, from what a work situation. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, a uh, winter storm uh, was scheduled to pass through where we were, uh, going to do some work. So that got delayed for a couple of weeks. And now we're starting to get into the, uh, outlook forecast for our, uh, rescheduled trip. And of course the weather looks good, uh, this week and next week. And then as we get into the outlook schedule, it looks like it's turning bad again for the week that we show back up. So, uh, that's a little unfortunate. Uh, but outside of that, I've just been, uh, doing a bunch of work um, and have my own uh, background audio coming through. Sorry about that. How's the engine? Um, and the engine. Yeah, uh, the engine. So I've been Update. doing a, a couple of uh, little um, jobs on my airplane as I wait for a nice day. I was explaining to the crew before we started that uh, my engine is complete and ready to get dropped in my airplane. Unfortunately, the way that our hangar is laid out, I cannot... Um, maneuver my little engine hoist around. Um, sorry about that. He just got home from school, so he's awfully excited. That's part of the ambiance. Um, can't um, maneuver my engine hoist around to get the engine in my airplane without rolling our other airplane out of the hangar. And it's been either snowing or foggy and misty for about nine days. And it looks like that's going to continue uh, through the weekend, but maybe Monday or Tuesday, we will have an opportunity to um, get the Luscom out of there and, and uh, get the engine dropped into the airplane. So hopefully once that happens, it'll uh, be a fast process to get everything hooked up and get it going. Um, yeah, cool. those are, uh, I think those are the main things. Oh, and we had a big football game last week. It was a big... Uh, grudge match between me and Liz and she didn't seem as concerned as I was, no, but, I didn't um, care. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the chiefs, the chiefs did win. That was one advantage of my trip getting moved is I was desperately trying to sort out how I could watch the chiefs game. While but our librarian Tiffany's in mourning. Um, Aww. while I was transiting from, uh, Wichita to Utah, but, uh, ended up didn't not having to deal with that. And now our rescheduled time, I think I'm going to be traveling on the off week between the, um, during the Pro Bowl. Yeah, the Pro Bowl day, which is, <laughs> of all the days to travel, really best case scenario here in this uh, time of the year. So, um, yeah, that's what I got going on. Hopefully next time we talk, we can talk about a uh, a uh, Chiefs 49ers rematch in the Super Bowl. And um, me and Tim can go at it in the comment section. Yeah, there you Yay. go. Excellent. Glad you could join us. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go next? Daffy. I'll go next. Okay. So you mentioned um, you and Captain Nick uh, recorded part two on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, that got also, I think, rescheduled from 
Friday or mm-hmm. something. So Friday, we were going to record when I was at work. So that wouldn't have worked for me. Um, but Saturday morning, I was also not available um, because I had signed up. Um, periodically, I'll do uh, part of the race series at the U.S. National Whitewater Center. So in addition to all their whitewater stuff that they do in the summer, they hold um, various uh, trail races and other kind of fun, whimsical events at times. Um, and the one for February, or sorry, January, we're not in February yet, getting a month ahead of myself, um, was the short track speed skating event, which is not an actual short track or actual speed skating. Um, but they invite <laughs> locals basically to come out. They have a youth division. And then for um, adults, it's, uh, or, you know, anyone who's not under the age of 10, I think uh, there's a recreational and a competitive division. And last year I did the recreational division and um, had a lot of fun, so I thought I'd do it again this year. Um, so I, I was doing that while you guys were recording. Um, it was a very cold day. Our weather's kind of been all over the place. Um, that day, I think it was... Uh, I assume the... that's an advantage if you're skating on ice. So stuff. today would have been a not great day to be ice skating. I'll tell you why in a second. So I'm glad it was last weekend and not this weekend. Um, I'll just add my uh, pictures here a little bit to the, the page. So this was actually at the end of the um, youth division, but I put this one up there because you can see the track that they have kind of laid out. So they actually have these, um, if you look towards the middle of the picture to the left of the tree, um, there's that kind of blue um, looking equipment there. That's part of the refrigeration unit that they use to keep the, uh, the ice cold. So they have this big kind of meandering pathway. And then they also have um, like a a miniature skating rink over to the side and then kind of a big pond area that you can skate in as well. And all of that's in the, um, where they normally would have the water filled up for the, um, whitewater rafting, basically the, the start pond area before you go down the different channels. Um, so that was the end of the, uh, youth division. Those were the, the winners there. Um, it was not warm. I had this picture up. It was like, it was quite cold and it was very windy. <laughs> Looked very happy. And then super happy and everyone else also looking super happy and mm-hmm. definitely not cold. Um, they do kind of a double elimination round and I got knocked out after the third round. Won my oh. first heat and then I was out after the next two. But it was a lot of fun. Um, something different to do, you know, get outside even on cold, nasty days. So it was 26 Fahrenheit that day and um, today it's 70. So it would be kind of a slushy mess, I think, if we tried to do it today people are out on the golf course in their shorts and t-shirts uh mm. this afternoon wow so all over the place but um yeah that's um i don't really have a whole lot of other updates or interesting things um just work and um work work, work. a little bit of a break from from flying but that resumes in february so excellent mm-hmm. captain nick you're up uh, thank you, sir. Yeah, short week, actually, since we've recorded on Saturday. Uh, bold on Monday, bold on Tuesday, bold on Wednesday, bold on Thursday, county match. And um, in in sympathy with the uh, last news item, today we had the gas man come hmm. <laughs> round to our house <laughs> to try and fix the smelly um, central heating system. And um, despite the fact that uh, the kitchen had been evacuated, I was not responsible since I wasn't in the house at the time. Um, uh, the, he tells us that there's absolutely nothing wrong with our central heating system. So uh, 
It's just your nose. Uh, the, There's something wrong with your noses. Well, not my nose. Everyone else's noses. <laughs> I wasn't here to uh, oh. experience the smell of the gas. Oh. Anyway, by the by, um, if we blow up, uh, you'll know that he was mistaken. Um, that's really been it for Speaking of blowing our week. Up. Not much going on. Uh, and uh, got a nice quiet weekend coming. Oh, look, here's the show title from the last show. Um, and uh, uh, we had a suggestion. I'm pretty sure it was from Main Man Micah because uh, we were talking about uh, the door blowing off the 737. Uh, so uh, it made him think, in fact, I, I as well thought of that amazing old movie uh, called The Italian Job. Um, which has the uh, lead character um, who, come on, help me out, uh, Liz, what's uh, uh, oh his name again? Michael Caine. Michael Caine, who uh, <laughs> they're experimenting to, uh, to see how much dynamite they should use to get into a, a security van, and uh, they blow the whole damn van up. <laughs> And uh, he comes up with the famous statement, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Uh, that's my attempt at a Michael Caine accent. Uh, that was better than Michael Caine did it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and of course the picture is uh, an airplane blowing up with uh, one of the minis. Now, this is quite a famous movie. This, if you haven't seen it, The Italian Job, uh, the original, although there is a sequel, uh, a remake, uh, but they, uh, in order to escape from the centre of uh, this Italian city, which is normally completely clogged with traffic, they uh, employ four uh, Mini Coopers, uh, you know, the little Morris mine, Morris Minis, um, to uh, drive around, and they don't use the roads. They go down pavements and through uh, buildings and things, and this is one of their minis actually one it's actually a picture of one of the minis that was used in the film hmm. uh escaping from the explosion of uh, our uh, door and because just been having so many problems in the headquarters studio number one uh we've got him the mini driving into the front door of the studio uh, you've got the doors nice oh. and wide open well done jeff thank you uh and That's the about it. Uh, there was a show title, a number there. Yeah, easy, isn't Easiest it? Easiest one ever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. On the number plate, APG 602. But have you? did you see the show logo? Yeah, it's behind the middle uh, headlight, I think. Headlight. Yeah, it's just where the mini logo is. Mm -hmm. I was hoping you might mistake it for the mini logo on the front of the bonnet behind the middle headlight. Yes, there you go. Well done. Well done. Nice job. Thanks for making hey, it Jeff nice and easy for us. Yes, sir. Before we move on, I just want to point out how well everyone is settling into your retirement pace because we're recording six and a half days after the last time we recorded and Nick just called that a short week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can get a longer week. Than, there you go. Well, we recorded on... Oh, I see. Yeah, what you're Saturday. Yeah, it is six and a half it's days. It's been six and a half days. It just feels like it's just flying. <laughs> Uh, good point. Good it's point. having too much fun. So it's Indeed. Fun. Oh, it's time for the coffee fund. Okay, let's see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. Are we shooting the I, I meant to hit a monster. I got a discharge. <laughs> I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea. And the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup.
Oh, yeah. It's the Coffee Fund. It's uh, the, your way to support the show financially. And uh, since the last episode, we have a couple of new producers. We're going to do it out of order. We're going to talk about Patreon. Uh, it's airline pilot, excuse me, yeah, airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee or patreon.com slash airline pilot guy. And so since the uh, last episode, a couple new producers, we have Bill Busboy. I didn't make that up. And Ara Lucia. Uh, she uh, sent feedback to us a few years back and we haven't heard from her in a while. And uh, so good to see you, Ara. Uh, thank you for becoming a patron of the show. I really appreciate that. And uh, also, I didn't make a slide. I just realized. Um, but I will yeah. make one, Vernon. I promise. Um, he used the Coffee Fund Classic method uh, to uh, donate and make a contribution to our show. And he also uh, sent us a little note to go along with it. Actually, a audio note. So let's hear from Vernon. Greetings, Captain Jeff and crew. It's Vernon Tryon at Fort Morgan, Colorado. Listening to APG 600, congratulations on your retirement and your 35-year pin, Captain Jeff. To my surprise, I've been on the Fort Morgan Airport Advisory Board for a number of years, and last week I was recognized as I left the board for serving on that board for 25 years. So we both have received recognitions, although yours much more notable than mine. At any rate, uh, just a quick um, audio to go along with a, a little bit of a donation to help uh, APG remain commercial-free. And wish you and everyone the best. Um, from chilly northeast Colorado, this is Vernon Tryon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Vernon. Um, congrats on your 25 years with that board. And I think that's a, quite an accomplishment, actually. Um, and... Uh, but thank you for the retirement um, well wishes from you and your nice contribution as well. And he picked up on that. And I think he wasn't the only one uh, when I mentioned that uh, we are commercial free or advertising free on this, on this show so far. And uh, we have, and that's due to uh, you out there um, becoming part of our coffee fund cadre. So thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. And is it time now for us to bring back everybody and yep. uh, maybe do, some, do feedback. some feedback? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Captain, incoming message. Uh, this was sent to us from Texas and He was in the chat room. I don't know if he's still there. But. Oh, uh, Liz is thinking that uh, he might be in the chat room he right now. There. He was there. I don't know if he's still there. Yeah, he was there, but uh, we're not sure if he's still there. Uh, but uh, so he, he wrote in and said, here's something neat. I got to see uh, the space shuttle Endeavor a number of years back, saw a diagram of what their eventual plan was, and now it's finally coming to fruition. There's a couple of notes of interest in this video. First, when they say it's quite possibly the last time anyone ever sits in the pilot seats. And the other is when they say, while it would be nice to inspire a new generation of astronauts, 
They'd rather have a new generation of engineers because they're the ones who figure out and build all the new stuff that's needed here. to fly here. in space. Good. Texas Ann Lashock is still with us. So um, thank you for sending this in. And we're going to go ahead. I think we end up, we may end up playing the whole darn thing because it's. I think it's worth it. So uh, this is from uh, NBC, the Today Show. And, Do you want me to play it? Uh, if you'll pop it uh, onto the stage and I'll hit the, uh, the little button here and we'll take a listen and watch. Six. Four. The last time NASA's Endeavour space shuttle was in launch position... And liftoff for the final launch of Endeavour. It was on its final mission to space. Now, more than a decade later, Endeavour is about to embark on one last journey as the California Science Center in Los Angeles prepares to lift the shuttle upright for a first-of-its-kind exhibit that will be the centerpiece to the museum's new Samuel Ocean Air and Space Center. So whose crazy idea was it to take it from this position and stand it up as if it's going to be launched? This is a vision that actually we had 30 years ago. We said the best way to display it would be in launch position. Not only the best position, but the most technically challenging position to possibly put it into. Absolutely true. This won't be the first time Endeavor makes a big move. In 2012, when the shuttle first returned home to California where it was built, Endeavor was flown atop NASA's shuttle carrier aircraft past the Golden Gate Bridge and over the Hollywood Hills. Before a team of engineers helped inch the massive spacecraft through the streets of Los Angeles, a project my own dad worked on, and land at the California Science Center. Endeavor's next mission is even more complex, as the team meticulously stacks the space shuttle system piece by piece, starting with the aft skirts, then solid rocket boosters followed by the 154-foot external fuel tank, and finally the nearly 100-ton shuttle itself, all to create the only display of an authentic space shuttle system in the world. Oh, wow, this is cool. Look. The museum's president, Jeffrey Rudolph, let us drop in on the construction project as the team lifted the last piece of the solid rocket boosters into place. So look at this. The workers are basically going to catch it and then fasten it to the top of the solid rocket booster. I've never seen anything like this. For an even better view, we climbed 15 stories. Heading up, 150 feet in the sky, let's go. To get a glimpse of what's to come. So the museum, quite literally, as you're moving these pieces into place, is being built around us. Yeah, we're actually putting in the shuttle, and then we'll finish the rest of the building around and above it. I made the mistake of saying you're going to drop the shuttle in. We're not going to drop it. We're going to lower it gently. <laughs> Very <carefully>. gently and <laughs> slowly. Before its final lift... So you can step up here. Okay. Project director and NASA veteran Dennis Jenkins let us get an exclusive last look inside Endeavor and crawl into the flight deck. This is the commander's chair. Where it's a tight squeeze into the front seat of history. This is one of the last times that anybody's going to sit in these two chairs. It is probably the last time. What does it feel like for you to just be sitting in a seat one last time? I love it. I used to sit in that seat a lot because all my controls were overhead. Um, so it's great being up here. When this thing goes vertical, um, what's your hope for it? You know, how it's going to inspire a new generation of potential astronauts, engineers. Yeah, it's the engineers I care more about than the astronauts. I mean, everybody wants to be an astronaut, but what we need is engineers, and hopefully this will inspire a bunch to go to school to be those things. The hope now that the final endeavor for this shuttle will launch new dreams of space exploration. Oh, Jacob, you got some incredible access there. Um, talk to us about the next steps in this process. Well, Hoda, in L.A., everybody's got to commute. They say 45 minutes minimum. This thing's got a two 
uh, our commute, as a matter of fact, around the corner in order to be stacked vertically. They say it's supposed to be done by the end of the week, but then the main event happens. Check this out. Maybe the best shrink wrap job in the entire world. This is the space shuttle Endeavor. It's open to the elements now because they're going to disassemble this structure around it. And over the course, uh, hopefully, of the next two weeks, if all goes as planned, this thing gets moved as well, stacked vertically. Then they have to build the museum around the entire stack itself, and that's not slated to open maybe for as long uh, as two years. It's going to be a, an extraordinary process to watch, and this is like geek central. It was amazing to be inside that thing, guys. Oh, we could tell by that look on your face. All right, Jacob, thank you so much. And give me a, pour me a new glass of red wine. Um, hopefully uh, NBC doesn't get too upset about us playing that entire segment, but I thought it was worth it. That was really interesting. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. I, I had no idea how impressive it was going to look till I saw those images. It's absolutely fabulous. And I think it's going to make a brilliant centerpiece to the museum. Yeah. All right. I agree. Thank you, Texas and LaShock for submitting that feedback that was uh, that was awesome all right let's uh, continue on with uh some feedback from sam sam dawson well these two uh, sort of go together kind yeah, of yeah the, the next two um feedback items um are uh, both from sam and uh have to do with the uh, the 737 issues um notably the 737 max and i guess uh, what what would be the best way to kind of summarize this? I think the uh, first one was an early article when they still, the whistleblower and stuff hadn't happened and they were sort of thinking it was Spirit's problem. Mm -hmm. That's what he's talking about in the first article. Right. The first article kind of yeah, does kind of make it sound like, it, you know, the uh, the manufacturer of the fuselage, Spirit Aerosystems in, in uh, Wichita, um, were um, kind of there were a lot of people pointing their fingers at them and uh, then we have learned since this article uh, and it's a it's a dynamic story obviously uh, but uh, there were some uh, reports from some whistleblowers kind of speaking up and saying no we think that this was actually something that happened um, in uh, in Boeing's hands and uh, basically kind of criticizing the the systems that they use for uh, quality checks um and um one's called the mcas uh not mcas like the problem the original problem with the 737 maxes but mces but i think they pronounce it mcas uh and uh what does that stand for again manufacturing i don't remember exactly what the uh what the acronym stands for uh but then uh, there's also another safety system where they log um maintenance items um called sat sat and i i you know uh, since nick camacho you're our our amp mechanic uh this kind of it kind of centers upon uh, not maintenance itself but more the manufacturing but uh, uh more of the nuts and bolts uh, literally of uh, the situation and maybe you can help us out a little bit with uh, some of these articles regarding uh, what happened, what, you know, what's the bottom line, what has happened here with that door falling off and the, apparently the, the bolts not even being installed uh, or if they did remove them, uh, they forgot to put them back in and then they put the airplane into service. Right. Um, so, uh, the one of the articles in that Sam sent 
uh, talks about, um, so at the beginning of this story, right, there was some question about this plug, which we've talked about in the past and whether it was installed by spirit or whether it was installed by Boeing or who owned the, um, quality control aspect of the installation of that plug. And, uh, these more recent articles, um, lead us to believe that, or, or are, are pointing towards, um, the plug being installed when it left spirit and then being removed, uh, while some work was done in, uh, Washington by Boeing and then, you know, reinstalled to some less than adequate level. It seems like it's still very confusing to me just because, um, the work was done in Renton in the Boeing facility, but there are still, uh, spirit employees working in the Boeing facility, um, assisting with the, um, repair and, um, basically like any non-conformances that they find there, you know, there's, and well, the, these articles kind of talk something like that. They're, they're, they're yeah, calling. more or less. Right. <laughs> so like spirit will say, or Boeing will say, Hey, you know, this wasn't done. And there are spirit employees there that can either fix it. Or I think in some instances, Boeing can probably fix it. And then there's some sort of like haggling issue or something that takes place. Cause Boeing is now incurring more cost. Um, and I think a big part of this, I don't, I don't know. I have zero insight into this. Um, but, uh, I do know that, uh, spirit has had previous quality issues. Um, they just turned over their CEO probably around October. Maybe, um, they've had two prior incidents, um, of, um, either, um, bad guidance to technicians or just poor, uh, worksmanship that has caused issues down the line for Boeing. So, um, I think the moral of the story here is that, uh, while this, um, while this model of like heavily subcontracted work being, um, flowed down the line to a final integrator can work. I think that um, communication, like there has to be very good communication. There has to be really solid um, quality control programs in place in both areas. And I think that probably gets muddied as um, that relationship deteriorates. And, you know, Spirit, there were a couple of years where Spirit, um, so in the, in the years leading up to 2019 or 2020, whenever the max thing happened, um, spirit was really ramping up and they were trying to hit these, um, very high production numbers. Um, they were, you know, this is, this is where I live is where spirits located. So, um, anything that they do is big numbers and I, I, or anything they do is big news. And they were regularly publishing articles. I think, you know, increasing, production rates to 42 units per month and then maybe 52 units. Those numbers are just numbers I'm pulling from my recollection, but you know, very large numbers of airplanes. And then the max thing happened. And even though that was almost all on kind of on, on Boeing's side, it tremendously impacted spirit. And so that took them a couple of years to work through in addition to all of the 
um, COVID supply chain issues. Um, and then the, you know, as they were kind of coming out of all that and things were ramping back up at Boeing, then it, the roles kind of switched in a sense, right? Cause now Boeing, you know, there were a couple of issues on spirits end that Boeing was having to deal with. And so there's been some, um, comments and articles about, you know, kind of a strained relationship between those two, um, entities. And it'd be, it's, it's pretty straightforward in terms of responsibilities for, um, permanent work, right? Like inseparable assemblies, completed parts that once they're done, they're just done forever. So when spirit rivets a fuselage together and sends it to Boeing, it's easy to say, um, there's a rivet missing or there's rivets done poorly or there's a bulkhead gone or there's holes in a bulkhead, which, you know, rivet issues, extra holes in pressure bulkheads are some of the things that spirit had been struggling with. Those are all pretty straightforward to sort out. It gets, uh, I think it gets a little, uh, more cloudy or unclear when you're talking about something that could have been installed correctly or incorrectly. And then it's handed off to another company and now they're talking about uninstalling it and reinstalling it. And, you know, then it becomes an issue of, was it installed the first time correctly? Did whoever took it off, take it off, just put it back on the way that it was supposed to? Is that an appropriate method for them to do that? Was the correct hardware used the first time? So, um, I heard some of the issue the, here was, you know, in regarding the, the systems to kind of track things because everything, in fact, uh, Becky kind of touched on this on our last episode regarding, you know, do you have some kind of a checklist procedure or a way of documenting things uh, on your personal aircraft um, build uh, and engine rebuild and reinstallation and that kind of thing um, where um, everything is pretty uh, usually pretty well documented as far as, you know, things are taken off or put back on, you know, there, there are certain checks that are required to be yep. conducted. And, and I guess in this case, the left door plug was, um, they, they needed to do something to it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were kind of having a discussion at Boeing, whether they needed to actually just open the door or if they needed to actually remove the door plug. And, uh, I think if they just opened it, and both, by the way, require the removal of those bolts, those four bolts, um, but only one of them required uh, it to be written up, the um, removing the entire door plug and not just opening it. And I think they opted for the opening it part, and so it wasn't documented, apparently, uh, that they opened it and closed it. So nobody knew to go back and look and make sure that it was you know put together properly and the bolts were installed and they they also make a point that because everything is moving so quickly through this line i forgot how many you know airplanes are pumping out every month at the boeing plant in renton but uh they uh the the next day is going to be a completely new group of people a new crew and that's why i guess it's so important that they 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 document all of these things going yep. on and so nothing it drops you know, uh, between the cracks or whatever the saying yep. is you want and, to use. And that's one advantage. Um, there are advantages and disadvantages to various ways to work. Right. And, and one of the disadvantages, so they're 
prob- they are incredibly efficient the way they build airplanes at Boeing, and they um, they have figured out ways to make people as efficient as possible and use machinery. But one of the downsides is, like you said, there are so many people touching the same parts of the airplane and it's very easy to um, miss a small action like tightening a fastener or um, whatever. And so that, you know, when they happen upon those issues, then it results, you know, then the outcome is often like putting another process in place or putting another system in place to track it. And, um, and so as, uh, as good as they are at, at building airplanes, um, they do face some different obstacles in like a small one man shop would, would face in either like building a, uh, experimental airplane or even just doing maintenance. Right. Like, uh, one rule I was talking about some of the rules I followed, um, with the feedback from last week. Um, and another one of those is, uh, I learned from somebody, um, from one of my mentors back in the day when I started, I, I learned that there is, um, you never put a fastener or a bolt or a nut on an airplane without tightening it down to, you know, fully installing it. Like there is no run it on finger tight and finish it later. You either put it on all the way or you leave it out because it is very easy to tell that a fastener is not installed correctly. It isn't, if it is not installed at all. Um, but if I just run it in there finger tight, or if, you know, if there's a nut on the back or something and I run it in there finger tight, it's pretty easy for someone to come in behind me the next day and just glance, glance through everything and say, Oh yeah, all the fasteners are there. We're, we're ready to go. We're ready to close this thing up and, and move it on or fly it or do whatever when it's um, not completed. So it is harder to have those um, small checks as the, as organizations get bigger, more people are touching the airplane and they're driving for more efficiency, right? So that's where all of these acronymic systems that you're bringing up come into place to try to um, maintain the efficiency that look that they're looking for, but still improve the quality assurance of the airplane. Interesting. That's very interesting. Do you mind if I just read the last few sentences of uh, this last article? Because I think it kind of ties this all together. When um, the... Writer says another mechanic who'd asked but not to be identified to protect his job echoed that, uh, saying uh, that new people with very little or no experience working on this type of aircraft have been hired to replace machinists with over 20 years of experience. At the end of his uh, online post, the whistleblower asks, so where are the bolts? I mean, he's referring to the four missing bolts. We assume they were missing from the door that allowed it to move out of place and therefore uh, become detached from the aircraft. Probably sitting forgotten and unlabeled on a work in progress bench. Unless someone has already topped them, tossed them sorry, into the scrap bin to tidy up, which is exactly what you're saying, Nick. If uh, someone sort of gets halfway through a job, takes the bolts out, and uh, it isn't followed through in a logical and uh, double-checked system, uh, someone is going to forget to put them back. Exactly. All right. Well, I mean, uh, Sam sent us quite a few 
uh, articles uh, regarding this. They'll all they will all be in our show notes. So uh, please check that out. By the way, a note about show notes. Uh, in addition to the time codes uh, and some, depending on how you're watching slash listening to our show, uh, some of them um, have uh, a, uh, hyperlinks and others you have to click on the thing that says APG 603 show notes. And that will open up a separate document that has all of our uh, articles that, uh, that we're referring to in it. And uh, along with uh, with the uh, links to various things like videos and pictures and that kind of thing. So just thought I'd mention that. Um, Got right. an audio coming up here. An Jeff audio is coming up. And uh, let's see. Uh, is there something to read with that before I no, play the audio? I don't think so. Okay. Um, let's see. Hi, Captain Jeff. Hi, Captain Nick. Well, hi, every captain in the world, even the retired ones. Congrats, by the way. Uh, how do you feel? Um, uh, this is Stefan from Germany calling. And uh, I first of th thank you for posting my picture from from um, Argentina. Yes, uh, I spread the words all the way across uh, South America for your podcast. And also... Uh, again, a big compliment to Captain Nick when he was visiting me in uh, Hamburg. I forgot to mention that he was flying, oh, I was flying with him uh, some steep turns which he uh, did perform, and um, actually they were perfect. I just want to like to mention that. But now to my questions. I do have a question regarding those Condor striped airplanes. I sent it you two pictures one red one and one orange one striped. And first, I had I've heard rumors, and then I asked a crew member from Condor, and she confirmed that as well. That apparently those red and orange striped airplanes are not allowed to fly in the states or in Canada or in both because they are very similar to some rescue or firefighting aircraft. They apparently also they have red and orange, not striped, but red and orange, white changing uh, or uh, intermittent colors. So I don't know if that's true, but maybe you and your audience can find that out and give me some feedback as well. Thanks, Kate, for your great podcast. And, well, carry on. Great show. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. Auf Wiedersehen, Stefan. So, Liz, since you sent this to uh, to you directly, uh, where, where are those pictures that he uh, sent? <laughs> Sorry, I, I must have missed them. I didn't get them. But I do have a comment to, to, to make about the red and orange thing. The, okay. In Ontario, we have a big system of air ambulances because the province is so big. And they're called orange air ambulances. And they're all, both helicopters and fixed wing planes are all painted in orange. So maybe that has something to do with it. Hmm. I also know that the firefighting planes that are owned by the government that fight fires in both Quebec and Ontario are yellow and red. So maybe that's why they've been told not to fly here. I don't know. Hmm. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, any, oh, and do, was he saying, um, Nick, that um, your uh, six or steep turns were uh, perfect or his steep turns? <laughs> I, I, well, I, he, did, he, he did give me control of his uh, lovely Piper, uh, and I did fly it round in uh, a few circles, 
Uh, and because, you know, I, I thought, well, it's not an aerobatic aeroplane. What can I do? So we did do some 60-degree angular bank steep turns. And I always uh, – we used to do them in instrument readings and things, and I always thought the, the piece de resistance when you do a steep turn is if you – get through 360 degrees, then hit your own turbulence, mm -hmm. which means you've finished just at the same point you started. And uh, we did that. So as soon as I hit my own turbulence, I said, that's enough. <laughs> no no <laughs> point in doing any further. Yeah, this is, this absolutely is yep. done. <laughs> I've done enough there. That's like, you have control. <laughs> that's like when you fly with somebody for the first time and you make a just amazing landing. You go, okay, from this point on, I'm not going to touch the airplane. Yeah, exactly every single, right. just take my word for yeah, it. Every landing, the, just like You're that. getting every landing <laughs> on this trip. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, perfect. But Stefan was ever so complimentary. It was very nice chat yes and i haven't thank heard you. anything about the striped aircraft not being allowed to fly here i just thought hmm. condor didn't fly to the u.s yeah i don't i don't, I don't know. know yeah i don't think i've ever seen a condor here in the u.s not maybe that I'm they aware do of. Um, i just went on their website and it says they fly to about a dozen airports but i have fly to toronto i think i haven't hmm. seen them either hmm interesting and thank you uh stefan for uh, spreading the word of about APG and Argentina. I think we have a couple of new listeners. Don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, and thank you. We'll play his second uh, audio feedback in our next show. Um, oh, Sam again. Is this the Sam show? Okay. Uh, it is this week. Uh, let's see. I, advice to Chris. He says, Jeff, Nick, Nick, Rick, Steph, and Liz. I feel I'm starting to come across as the uh, curmudgeonly loud-mouthed pilot everyone loves being paired with. Man, will you just stop yapping so I can finish reading my book? Um, that was his comment. In listener feedback, a listener named Chris, a flight instructor, asked for advice on his next move. He's approaching the 1,500-hour mark and was wondering if he should pay for getting his ATP training or finish his time and let a regional pay for it. Miami Rick gave the advice to pay for the ATP program. My advice is different. First, let me start by saying that Rick isn't necessarily wrong. Really, the only way you'll know if you made the right or wrong decisions in your flying career is when you set the parking brake for the last time and look back at the entirety of your career, uh, which uh, both Captain Nick and I have been able to do. Um, if you just compare your career to others, You'll never be satisfied unless maybe if you retire as number one at a company. As a regional captain, I saw many less experienced and younger first officers hired ahead of me by legacy airlines. Initially, I started to fill, uh, fill with uh, bitterness at being left behind until my wife reminded me that I was still being well paid for a job I loved. So keep the love for your current job and excel at, at it. Second, addressing minimum hours to get hired by a legacy airline. Normally, those hired with minimum hours have things in their resumes that set them apart. Military pilots, pilots who were interns at that major, legacy pilots, or those who have lineage at the airline. Normal, run-of-the-mill pilot, excuse me, normal, run-of-the-mill pilots will normally need more to set them apart. This especially changes as the hiring landscape changes. We've already seen some cargo carriers and uh, ultra-low-cost carriers stop hiring. I think legacy carriers will continue to do so, but you will probably see fewer of those with minimal hours getting hired. Third, 
don't just view the 1500 hours as a box to be checked, but as experience to be gained. Uh, use this time to broaden your experience base. Get your commercial glider rating. Get some aerobatic and or upset recovery training. I agree with that. Learn to fly a tailwheel. When I went through my interview at my current employer, a good deal of time was spent asking me about different aircraft I flew and different training I had done. Not probing questions, but questions showing that those interviewing me were genuinely interested in my broad experience. But beyond that, I think my different flying experiences and jobs all added to make me a better, more well-rounded pilot. Remember, you still have to make it through new hire training. Whatever route you choose, enjoy the trip. It passes so quickly. And remember, in the words of the famed physicist, neurosurgeon, rock star, and test pilot, Buckaroo Banzai, no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> and he uh, ends this, uh, signs off by saying, sullen Sam. And uh, has a nice oh, little well said. picture of, uh, yeah, that's cute, from the movie Up, I think, right? Yeah, it is. So, and I was, I was thinking about that, um, you know, that advice we were giving to Chris, and I love what Sam says here. There's no, he says it much more um, succinctly than the way I think I was trying to say what I was trying to say is that there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's going to be different for every individual. I always feel um, a little hesitant to give advice that might lead people to spend more money on something than they would have to, to achieve the same goal. Um, but like he said, Rick's not wrong in his advice either. So got to do what's best for you. Yeah. And I think, I think we've made that pretty clear that we, we really don't have the crystal ball. We don't know what and as, as Sam just eloquently expressed, um, and, until you set that parking brake for the last time, that's the only time you're going to be able to look back and know whether or not the decisions that you made in your career and the decisions made in training and gaining experience were the right ones. All right. Uh, thank you, Sam. Uh, let's continue with uh, this from Scott. Hi, Captain Jeff and the crew. First time emailing in. In fact, I only started listening about six months ago. You have become my go-to aviation podcast. So keep up the good work and congratulations, Jeff, on your retirement. This applause is for um, being his go-to aviation podcast, not my retirement. I wanted to add to the discussion in episode 601 about the uh, Japan Airlines A350 and Coast Guard-8. I've been out of the industry for about 10 years now, but previously I've done every job in ground handling, dispatch, ops, load control, ramp, fueling, airfield ops, etc. And I was a student pilot before I decided to change direction and save a lot of money, he says. Anyway, back to the point. There were so many chances to avoid this accident. You've got the Swiss cheese model of accidents, as we know. And I went, wait, 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 wait. No. Uh, no. He, well, he's fun, new. Yeah. He's only been listening for about six months. And so okay. we need to uh, gently correct him and, and, and make him understand that it's not the Swiss cheese model anymore. Now at the APG, we've introduced the Funyuns model, all the Funyuns lined up. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, do, where does this guy come from? Did they have Funyuns? Oh, Blackpool. Oh, Sorry, they don't get a lot of Funyuns oh, in Blackpool, so okay. I think we're going to have to forgive okay. him. We're going to give him a pass on this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, getting back into his uh, feedback, 
There was obviously confusion on the dash flight deck as to whether they were cleared to line up, uh, which I'm going to guess down to poor CRM resulted in the first officer not questioning the captain or asking ATC for clarification. Then seeing the stop bar lights extinguish obviously caused bias confirmation. As Rick said, the NOTAM list can go on for pages and pages, so they may have missed that one or forgotten about it during high workload. Did the crew do the looking both ways before entering the runway check? That's a good question. Uh, maybe not, or maybe they saw lights on the approach but assumed that they would be departing before that would be an issue. Uh, one thing uh, no one has mentioned that I'm aware of is ATC had planned to get the dash away after the JAL had landed and slowed the preceding aircraft to allow for the departure. So in this case, why did ATC not issue the instruction to the dash, quote, behind the next landing Japan Airlines A350 lineup and wait behind to facilitate a speedy departure between arrivals? This is uh, standard practice, is it not? Uh, if this instruction had been given, then it would have made the crew realize they obviously should not be on the runway and avoided the, uh, this accident with a go-around. Uh, I guess I, I think it depends on where you are in the world and whether or not your regulatory authority allows for that kind of instruction. And we're not air traffic controllers ourselves, so I'm not sure exactly, um, you know, and uh, we uh, listen to, or many of us do, a very, very, you know, top-notch, probably the best aviation podcast in the world, uh, Opposing Bases. They really do have a great show. Uh, two air traffic controllers and pilots. And uh, they, uh, you know, talk about this as a squeeze play. Um, I'm not sure having um, a conditional statement like that is necessarily the best way to handle the situation honestly what what do you guys think how do you know that it's the next arriving uh, a350 for sure mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it's, I think it's, are, it's like i thought a lot of pitfalls in that kind of uh, procedure i mean it would have yeah, helped yeah, I've it been needs to be very clear about now is the time to do this not uh, yeah you know after this happens then do this no, I've been given that clearance plenty of times, and uh, it really relies on that aircraft that's about to pass being quite close to you. Uh, and there'd be no confusion between that and another aircraft that might be landing. So, you know, it's the sort of thing that uh, it, they, you can get um, line up behind if, you know, if it's a very tight space, then you probably need to have that call so that you can almost be on the move as he floats past you and you get straight on the runway without any delay. But um, you're right, all these practices have the potential to, uh, you know, give you a problem if they're not used correctly. Right. Okay, back with his um, feedback. It's interesting to think as well that if they had chosen to go full length, they either wouldn't have entered the runway without clearance, or if they had, we would have been dealing with a near miss as they overflew the dash. Yeah, good point. But I think I'm not exactly sure exa why they ended up, you know, putting them at that intersection and not the full length. Um, maybe because they knew. That, air, that airplane didn't need to use the entire, and that was just best for the whole sequence of uh, flights taking off. That's what I'm guessing. Um, obviously, the A350 crew would never have noticed the aircraft on the runway, as you said. It's kind of anti-intuitive having a white light on the tail. It would have just looked like any other white centerline light. 
and the anti-collision reds on a dash are barely visible stood next to them stood next to them on the ground if i remember correctly one other thing i know they have said the ground radar system was operational but they weren't looking at the time i was under the impression there is also an oral warning in times of conflict can this be turned off seems an odd thing to be able to do on a safety system yeah i don't know enough about that system uh, scott um what are your guys' views on the main two points about lineup clearance and the conflict oral warning? Oh, okay, I see. I, I should have waited until the end before we tackled those. But sorry, Scott. Um, anyway, he says, take care, everyone. Scott, near Blackpool, England. Um, yeah, I, does anybody here on the panel know anything about that um, uh, ASDX system, you know, the ground-based um, um, radar system? And I don't know if they're the same or if they're – uh, complimentary not enough systems. to know if it if it oral always warning. includes an oral warning yeah. at all sites or at all locations uh, so. i don't either sorry uh, uh, my feeling is that they're probably you know uh, different systems around the world uh mm -hmm. you know so probably a different one in the uk as to japan as to america perhaps so uh you know i don't know much about them yeah well somebody out there will though perhaps you know the answer uh, send us feedback, feedback at airlinepilotguy.com. And uh, make make sure you, uh, you know, include an extra $20 bill. Otherwise, Liz will not put that in the feedback. No, I'm just kidding. Right. That has nothing to do with it. Okay. Um, but let's, let's not forget that uh, TCAS still works. Uh, you can still see hmm. the symbols of aircraft on the ground when you're on the approach and vice versa. In fact, you know, it's one of the requirements uh, is that we used to turn on TCAS, uh, particularly in low visibility situations, so that we could monitor aircraft on the approach and make sure that we weren't going to make a mistake. But, you know, it's not necessarily, you, you think everything's fine and the, the day's perfect and you're not expecting someone to make a mistake. Uh, so, you know, it's not like, he couldn't look up the approach and see the guy or whatever. So uh, it's very tough to know it is what to do. All right. The next uh, piece of feedback we're going to do from Steve um, uh, a, uh, in reference to APG 602 drain cover in space. Good morning, Jeff and crew, or, well, I don't know. It may be morning. It may be afternoon. It may be evening where you are right now. Um, thank you for a great podcast. Happy retirement, Jeff. Well, thank you. And thank you. Uh, I was listening to the plain tale and it occurred to me, it occurred to me, excuse me. I w that's, um, my Topo Chico, um, mineral water, um, mm -hmm. trying to escape. I was listening to the, I w it's, it's my effort to add CO2 to our environment, I think. Um, I was listening to the plain tale and it <laughs> Very occurred to me. not going green. No, it's definitely anti-green. Anti yeah. I was listening to the plane tale, and it occurred to me that the drain cover that was blasted would have reached the moon in two hours. It tickled me to think that one day an astronaut on the moon would find it. <laughs> it would be funny. Uh, question for Captain Nick. I flew Heathrow to Boston on 7-7-2003, uh, VS-11, Flight 11, I guess, uh, Golf Victor Hotel Oscar Lima the tail number, and back on 10-7-2003 on uh, Flight 12, Golf Victor Oscar Golf Echo. Was Captain Nick on either of these? 
Keep the sunny side up and the tarmac beneath your wheels, Steve. What do you? What's your answer, uh, Captain Nick? Uh, yeah, well, that's an interesting question, Steve. Uh, not the bit about the airplane, but a bit about the um, manhole cover hitting the moon. I reckon it'd be in a pretty good shot because if you look at the size of the moon, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, it's an awful lot of space around it. But um, uh, the reference your flight to Boston, uh, I'm very sorry to say I, I uh, was between flights on those days, although I did take a, your aeroplane, a G Vogue, um, off to Tokyo later on the same day that you landed in it from Boston. So uh, your odour would still have probably been on the uh, in the cabin. Or yours. And uh, we might uh, possibly have crossed paths at the airport. You never know. Uh, and indeed, I uh, took the very same aeroplane off to Boston and back later that month, but I wasn't uh, privileged with the job of uh, taking you there and back on the dates you uh, flew. So I'm sorry about that. And then what about the um, chances of that manhole cover hitting the moon? Oh, uh, yeah, I did mention that it's a pretty small target. So uh, I'm going to put it at uh, 150,000 million to one. So you know, it's sort of chance of winning the Euro lottery or whatever. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, there is a chance. Chance of the Buffalo Bills winning football. Oh, in fact, yeah. if only there'd nice. been an astronaut standing on the moon at the time, we could have killed him. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> sa sadly <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Fortunately not. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right, Steph, fortunately. Yeah. Although it wouldn't Semantics. be to come as a great surprise if they go one small step for man. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> nice. All right. Thank you, uh, Steve. This from Brian. Um, I found this airline story humorous, and then he gives us a link. This is Brian from Katy, Texas. Uh, did you know a man bought all the spare B-2 windshields and used them in his daughter's treehouse? The U.S. Air Force had to buy them back to replace a damaged spirit windshield. I'm, sounds like we're uh, like it's Christmas time, and, and I'm hearing bells ringing on, on sleigh bells. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, let's see. So let me – interesting sound. Maybe I should let somebody else read this. I'll read it. All, All right. right. Um, so a little bit about the B-2 Spirit. It's a multi-role bomber capable of delivering both conventional and nuclear munitions. A dramatic leap forward in technology, the B-2 brings massive firepower to bear in a short time anywhere on the globe through previously impenetrable def uh, defenses. The revolutionary blending of low observable technologies with high aerodynamic efficiency and large payload gives the B-2 important advantages over existing bombers. The B-2's low observability is derived from a combination of reduced infrared, acoustic, electromagnetic, visual, and radar signatures. These signatures make it difficult for the sophisticated defense systems to detect, track, and engage the B-2. Many aspects of the low observability process remain classified. However, the B-2's composite materials, special coatings, and flying wing design all contribute to its stealthiness. Uh, the Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri is the only operational base for the B-2. Uh, 
Um, then it goes on, let's see, about these windshields that were sold as surplus. Um, so they're talking to uh, uh, the folks at Whiteman Air Force Base. One day of maintenance, NCO, uh, came in to pick up a laptop because he was driving a few states away to pick up some spare B-2 windshields. He told me that over 20 years of flying and thousands of, thousands of hours of flying transcontinental missions, a B-2 has never needed a windshield replaced. The windshields were believed to be indestructible. During a routine flight, a B-2 struck a Canadian... <laughs> pretty sure that used to say uh, goose. <laughs> uh, someone changed it to Liz. And uh, the impact uh -huh. left a hairline oh, crack on a windshield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know who's been in here editing the uh, the copy. But, uh, <laughs> this rhymes with Captain Prick. Nick. <laughs> the uh it's his own that was his own uh, words the maintenance squadron placed an order with the air force parts depot but they replied back that there were none in stock the spare windshields had long bit had been in the warehouse for such a long time with no orders for them that someone thought they belonged to a discontinued airframe the windshields were sent to the air force defense reutilization marketing office program which sells surplus items to the public the maintenance squadron reached out to the company that manufactured the windshields to see if they had any spares or could make new windshields. Companies stated that they did not have any spares and the molds were uh, disposed of a long time ago. If the Air Force wanted them to manufacture a new windshield, the company would need to retool an entire site due to the windshield's complexity. The cost would be astronomical. In the meantime, the parts depot reached out to the DRMO to try and identify anyone who may have purchased a windshield turns out that the windshields were sold as a lot to one individual a few years prior. After much effort, the Air Force was able to locate the man and sent a representative to his residence. The man still had all of the spare windshields in his possession and, through an undisclosed amount, agreed to sell them back to the Air Force. Edwards concludes, I am sure you're wondering why someone would purchase surplus, win uh, surplus aircraft windshields. He used them in his daughter's treehouse. How stealthy is your treehouse? Now, I was going to say, uh, I don't know that, if that's a picture of the actual treehouse or not, because I think that uh, they, could, we, they couldn't actually find the treehouse because he had those stealth <laughs> windshields. <laughs> stealth coating, yeah. everything. Yep. What a great story. I, I'm just dying to know what you guys think that the, you, you sold those windshields back for. Hopefully a lot. Yeah, I'm hoping that he made a little Well, that was your mistake. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, capitalize on right. this. Yeah. What are you writing? Half a million each? Sounds good. I wonder what the astronomical cost would have been to retool the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the machinery. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting question. Great story. Love it. Great story. Quite humorous. I liked it as well. So I have a lot of Thanks, background noise. Um, so uh, we could do um, one of two things. We can go ahead and end the show early um earlier than i was expecting to or we can continue on and somebody else could take the um the head hosting duties and then i'll do whatever i can uh in support in the background we could wrap it up early why not what do you think yeah uh, i don't care i can go either way we've, we've gone through um yeah i don't have a strong opinion on that we've actually don't have that much feedback left mm -hmm. uh, we could probably just roll them into the next show Okay. If you wanted to um, let 
Captain like Nick get to bed and Nick Camacho get to his family and yeah. yeah. Nick off to bed. Okay. Sounds like yep, good plan. Good with that. All right. So with that, we're going to go ahead and end the show. A nice short show for you all. A little treat from us. Uh, so now you have time to listen to all those other uh, podcasts that uh, you never get a chance to listen to because they're just not as good as ours. Um, so uh, yeah. you're welcome. Um, oh, so, there'll be a, a plain tale hopefully next show, so no. that'll make it a bit longer. Okay. And uh, I, again, apologize for the noise in the background. I mean, this this filter that I have on my very expensive uh, preamp does a really good job of like constant noise like fan noise and that kind of thing but uh other speech uh it doesn't know what to do with that so it, it can't handle that you so. have fans there and you don't want to hear them cl- applauding and well, things. not that kind of thing what's wrong with you jeff <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up and uh, we're going to uh, do that first by pointing you to our website airlinepilotguy.com where you'll find information. Let's see, Dr. Stuff is pointing to it right there, just in case you weren't sure exactly what I just said. Airlinepilotguy.com, where you'll find information about the crew and the community and uh, merchandise. We have a library. We have uh, more info about the plane tales and so much more. So please check it out. Uh, And also, we're on social media. So, Steph, take it away. We sure are. You can head over to facebook.com slash airlinepilotguy. Also on X, we are at APG Crew with individual uh, handles pinned to the top of that page. And check out uh, Captain Nick's amazing artwork for each show over on Instagram. We are APG Crew on Instagram as well. Um, We've got a new YouTube uh, suggestion here, but yes, on YouTube as well. You can watch the videos of the um, live recorded uh, portions of the podcast. So youtube.com slash airlinepilotguy. And if that's just not enough, I, I would encourage you to check out Slack. And hopefully, Hillel has wandered into the. Um, it was using the uh, restroom in the common area. Hopefully, there with the door isn't jammed shut. I don't. Yeah, hopefully don't he's not if, stuck in the lab. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, he's able to actually uh, come to us from the lavatory here in the common area. So I'm going to go ahead and have him join me right here at this table, and he's going to tell us all about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thank you so much, Hillel. And also, we want to bring in our producer, Liz Piper. Come on in, Liz. Come on, you can do it. She's not going to. There she nope, is. No, no, no. I had to turn myself off on Unity there. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, uh, we'd like to thank Liz for all the wonderful work that she does behind the scenes before and after and during the show. And uh, we don't just say that because she'll get mad at us if we don't, <laughs> because she doesn't really get mad. 
Um, unless unless it's behind the scenes, maybe she talks bad about me behind the scenes. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, uh, we we really do mean it. So thank you so much, Liz. We love You're you. Welcome. I know yeah. you wanted to wrap up early so you can go see your clean apartment. It's yeah. Nice well, I'm hoping that it's going to be a clean apartment. We'll we'll see. Nice. <laughs> it was pretty. They're like the blinds um, have like the wallpaper uh, ceiling, uh, not wallpaper, but ceiling drywall mud. It's just like splattered all over the place. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if, if it got cleaned. You can do some quality control. Of detail. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and you know, the, the, one of the fixtures that the water was pouring out, they did get the fixtures up, the ones that have the water coming out of them. Uh, and, and two of them are over the, the island of the kitchen, the kitchen island. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but they both look like they're like slanted. They're not going like straight up and down. And I think for most, maybe I'm the only one, but most pilots, if we see something like a painting or something like that that isn't quite exactly level, <laughs> it really bugs us. Am I the only one? Um, no, or does, you're not. No? Okay. Uh, so anyway, I think these things are actually slanted a little bit, but I'm thinking, I don't care. <laughs> because I'm going to be out of this months. apartment soon enough, so I don't care. Jeff, if I worried about everything that was tilted slightly, I'd have never have landed the aeroplane. Oh, well, that's not exactly what I mean, but good point. Anyway, um, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, no? All right. Well, thanks again, crew, for joining me today on the show. And uh, also, thank you for those of you who have joined our live chat room on youtube.com slash airline pilot guy. And until next time, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Talons, Douglas. Cheers, y'all. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Hey, that's my line. Bye, everybody. <laughs> hey, that's my line. Wait. Bye. Sorry. See ya. <laughs> Think Bye. of something else. Be original. <laughs> Get lost, you horrible lot. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats airline pilot guy I fly America oh airline pilot guy he can't land in heavy fall I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly